What's up, my brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast, where we talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground. The views and the opinions expressed are those of your guests and the host. And today, I've got my brother Ben Belouvre, who is a firefighter from France. He has served in Paris as well as currently in the south of France. He and I met back at Station 25 some 19 years ago, and uh, it was quite a a remarkable experience for both of us, and uh, we talk about that. We talk about uh, some of his experiences with uh, firefighter fatality and uh, the lessons learned. Great episode. He's a great guy and and a wonderful guest, and maybe you'll even learn some French words and some things about France. I hope you enjoy this episode. Tune in. Ben, Ben, my friend from France, uh, I am so excited to have the opportunity to sit and do a little podcast with you. And let's see, how long have I known you for, Ben? You know me since uh, 19 years, since the first time I came to Phoenix in 2003. I think it was in April, May, I mean, April, May, and June. Yeah, that 2003. Sounds, that sounds right. And it, it's uh, it's kind of a, you know, our meeting was really kind of a fun story for me because I was finishing my probation with Phoenix and uh, I'm at Station 25 and uh, you were doing, I call it an internship? Yeah, I was 22 years old. I was uh, at the university. I was studying health and safety in France and uh, this study... In France, it's a, a way to uh, to become later um, a chief. Not a chief, I mean, at least a battalion chief. I finished the study, and then I became a professional firefighter. But during my studies, I had two work placements to do. In the second year, I had to um, to find a spot, and I went to Scotland that uh, I spent three months over there in Edinburgh in a fire station. And at the end of my uh, three months period in Scotland, I asked the guys um, for my next um, placement, so it's a year after, and I asked them, okay, I want to go to the United States next year, and uh, what fire department would you advise me to, uh, to go or to apply? And they said, New York... LA Phoenix. Uh, I tried Phoenix because I wanted to go to the sun and uh, I sent an email to uh, on the Phoenix Fire Department website and somebody answered me, somebody from the union, he asked me uh, why I wanted to go to Phoenix. So I answer, I want to go to Phoenix to discover the Phoenix Fire Department. I want to know how do you fight fires and how do you make ventilation on house fires. That was my main study and I wanted to uh, learn more about it. And uh, after the end of this three months period, I had to make a report for the university. So he answered me. He said, uh, we are used to, um, to uh, welcome foreign firefighters yeah. because at this time I was a volunteer firefighter and student. And they, uh, he asked me, uh, where do I want to go? 
and I said I want to go in one of the busiest fire stations where I could uh, go on many house fires. And he said, I put you at 25. And yeah, we did not disappoint, did we? No, well, I had the, I've been lucky. And sometimes we had like uh, two fires, two house fires in one shift. So in three months, I had a lot. Gunshot, house fires, warehouse fires, commercial fires, apartment fires, car fires. Trash fires, <laughs> lots uh, of trash. Stabbing, fires. <laughs> 962. Yeah, yeah. Hazmat. Because I was running with um, engine 25, engine 725 at this time, who became 925 later. That's right. I was uh, riding with the rescue 25 and with battalion 3. So I had a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's a busy house to begin with, uh, let alone when you're riding uh, on every apparatus, you know, on every run that goes out. Plus, you were for in the beginning. You were running on all shifts. So all shifts. You were there twenty four seven. Twenty four seven. All the um, all the calls every day, every night, all week. Yeah. Yeah. It it stays like this like few weeks, and then I I started to uh, to select <laughs> at night, especially when I heard like a uh, person down or stomach ache or nose bleeding. Mm -hmm, Maybe mm -hmm. I'm, I, I would stay in the bed and wait for a BC, I mean, an interesting BC call yeah. or something more interesting like a right. medical or right. a car accident. It, which fire. makes sense because you were there to learn and to, to participate in the emergency operations, not so much the EMS. So let me ask you this because I think that when you think about one of my curiosities is um, that, and I've asked you this question a hundred times, so I, I, I want you to tell me one more time. What is, what, what did you find to be so different? So how are operations different in France? And I know like the construction's totally different. You know, like you talked about vertical ventilation, coming here to learn about vertical ventilation. So how are operations done in France and how would it be different from what we see here in the United States? Okay. So before talking about uh, the operation, we can talk about the organization, mm. which is different. Because in France, uh, you find a fire station in a big city with uh, a lot of fire engines. And uh, compared to the US, for the same size of city, same, I mean, the same size of city, mm -hmm. you will have, uh, like in my city, I have a fire station. It's uh, like, 25,000 people city and we have just one fire station and I think uh, a city like this in uh, in the US would be like maybe two or three fire stations so it's very different because uh, we can um, we can make uh, like um, 15 minutes to 20 minutes drive to go on our first do area but here is not the same Right. Here, yeah, we're shooting for like four or five minutes. Yeah, four yeah. or five minutes. So in this organization, it's very different. Um, we don't have um, only professional fire stations. They are all mixed with professional and volunteers, and some of them are only volunteers. In Paris, is it the same? In Paris, uh, it's very different because um, the fire department is um, military. It depends from the army. And uh, those guys are all military, so as professional, there is no volunteer in Paris. It's uh, Paris and the suburbs around. 
Mm. And it's uh, around 8,000 firefighters in Paris Fire Department. What's with, the, um, forgive around my, 70 fire stations. Forgive my ignorance, but what's the population of Paris? It's around four or five million okay. people, I think. It's a pretty big city. I have to check about that. Yeah. I'll double check your stats. Yeah. <laughs> so how does that, so when you look at the, how does that work when you have, you know, the volunteers and the full time, like in your, in your neck of the woods where you work right now? Say it again. So how does that, how does it work with volunteers? Like what type of schedule are people working? You have the full time professionals, mm, the full time volunteers like here, they work 24, 48. Okay. The full time firefighters and the volunteers. They, uh, it depends on their work. Sometimes they work like uh, a 12 hour shift a day or 12 hour shift at night or 24. They can work during one day in a week or only in the, during the weekends. It depends on their work. Hmm. That makes sense. So how is the, the thing that I'm most curious about is how is the culture in the fire station different? Um, I think it's the same thing I've been in. So I've been in France, I've been in Paris like, when I was military because I was part of the, I mean, after my study, I went to the Paris fire department mm -hmm. to, to begin my career. So I've seen the, uh, a volunteer fire station. I've been in a military fire station. I've been in professional fire station in France. I've been in Scottish fire station and in Phoenix fire station. Mm -hmm. But um, it's everywhere the same. I mean, uh, it's everywhere the same uh, um, type of um, um, people, kind of people. Mm. You, you know, you got the... When you go on a shift, you find the, the one who is strong. You, you find the one who is not strong. You find the one who is a chief leader. You find the one who is a follower. You find the cook. You find the funny guy. You find the, um, the guy who is always in the gym room. It's uh, everywhere the same. And um, the only difference is the, the language. So right. I... Uh, as soon as you are, um, you 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 make an analysis of yeah. the people inside the shift, yeah, you can see that it's everywhere the same, and you just have to define who is who, and then you know how to talk to uh, to who. Right, right, yeah. That's it's so funny to me because people will say that even the shifts are different, right? A shift, B shift, C shift. They're different characteristics. But I think every, the more I talk to people from around the fire service, the more you realize that it's that the same type of people are attracted to the job. And yeah. you, you get into the workplace and you, you find those same the people with similar attitudes and similar ideas. And Yeah, and they make the same joke. It's in different <laughs> language, but they make the same joke about the people. They make oh, the same funny. joke about in, during the calls. It's the same joke too. Is that right? Or with the water at the fire station, like a bucket of water. Or, right. You know, it's around the world. It's, it's the same jokes. Uh, and in Phoenix, when I was in Phoenix, uh, uh, at first it was, uh, you know, I was very young. I was 22 years old. So I was one of the youngest of the fire station. And uh, most of the guys in the fire station, they were uh, way older than me. Uh, they had seniority 
in the in the job so i i was just uh you know like a young man between uh, older guys yeah so i was um maybe a little quiet i was uh listening to them and i was just following them and uh uh taking advices from them and from you too when you were there and uh i was at the very beginning of my career so i was uh, like very open minded and open ears all the time and uh i wanted to to have a lot to see a lot mm -hmm. to bring a lot to um to my to my friends in france i mean bring a lot like bring a lot of uh, knowledge knowledge yeah and uh that's what i did and uh this is i mean the main thing that i learned was um everything about the um, the southwest supermarket fire mm. yeah you know you yeah we talked about that a little bit earlier the tarver tarver fatality fire yeah right? southwest they, um when i first came so it was in 2003 was two years after the um, the the accident of brett tarver yeah and uh, the guy from station 25 they were still very affected by the accident and they uh, talk about this with me i remember to have a lot of conversations at night uh with the guys and they were explaining me uh, how was the fire what did they do and what they should do or now that uh, it's after the the call uh, that what the phoenix fire department is doing for um, for getting better right so the guys they took me to the um, to the fire academy they show me at the um, i don't remember what is um the building where uh, the the bc they train oh the command training center command training center yeah they took me there where, where there is a um, southwest supermarket uh yeah there's a there's a diorama yeah a diorama yeah over there. so they explain yeah. me they show me pictures movies on it and uh I had a lot. I had a lot uh, at 22 years old. I had a lot uh, knowledge uh, about uh, what to do after um, um, a fatality accident yeah. in a job. And uh, I learned a lot about, um, uh, how do you say, uh, survival stuff. Yeah, uh, firefighter survival. Recruit, rec right. rec team, um, the rig pack. Uh, how to uh, how to package a man down and take it out how to uh, assist him with air how to um, make forcible entry all these new tools that we we didn't have at this time in france yeah so that was a lot of um, a lot of things that i had and i bring back to france and um, i didn't really use it until uh the same thing happened to me like, yeah so uh, in, you were telling about that so how many years were you a firefighter but when you had that fatality fire so i was in paris in 2004 just one year after phoenix and uh i became professional in 2006 and the accident was in two, 2010 Okay. So I had like five years in the job when the accident uh, occurred. Yeah. Occurred. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So tell me about that fire. So it had a lot. It had some similarities to the Southwest yeah. supermarket, but not totally. But yeah. So some walk us walk us through that. 
It's uh, we were on. I was uh, on shift. I was um, on the engine. It was uh, January eighteenth, twenty ten. Two in the morning. Warehouse fire. So we get dispatched. We were second engine. At the, this time, they send uh, they sent two engine, a ladder, a rescue, and a, a BC. And we were the second engine. First engine was there. Was night. We could see, we could see the flames coming from the roof, and uh, it was a um, uh, classic uh, warehouse fire. What, this, tell me about the construction of the building. Uh, what it, was the building like? The building was made in um, uh, metal, the structure, and uh, with uh, foam inside the walls. Okay. To keep the, the cold inside, because mm. this warehouse was um, putting um, shrimps, ice oh, shrimps, okay, in uh, boxes, ready to uh, to be sent. So it was a cold storage or refrigerator building. That's right. Okay. So a lot of insulation. Yeah. And okay. the structure was in uh, in metal. The after uh, what happened is. Where there was a like a flashover, they said it was a, a flash fire, fire gas ignition fl- flash fire, mm-hmm. and uh, the crew inside there were two, with a line. The nozzle man uh, stayed. I mean, he got lost. He stayed inside. The second man, he could uh, get out. And we saw him. Did they get separated from the hose line? They, uh, the second man, he uh, he left the hose line. Mm-hmm. And what he said is, uh, he said that he felt that the nozzle man was just behind him. When uh, everything uh, flashed over, yeah. he left. And he asked for the nozzle man to follow him. He felt he was just behind him. But when he get out, uh, he didn't see him. And just behind him, it was really completely uh, all in, in flames, all the building in flame. And we arrived at this time, me and my uh, partner. Mm-hmm. So we saw him getting out uh, with a lot of smoke on, uh, above him. It was, uh, his fire gear was uh, burning. So the he went to the first engine. The driver pulled the red line. He uh, put he sprayed water on him, and he said that Sebastian, which is the name of the nozzleman, was still inside. And now the I mean the the call is completely uh, different now. It's not a classical fire. It's right. a fire with a fireman inside. Right. And he's lost, and uh, everything is uh, in on fire. So. We have to hurry. We have to find him and get him out. Now, uh, do you guys declare a mayday? Do you guys say anything on the radio or? You cannot. Uh, yeah, you can see. Uh, yeah, the uh, we didn't we didn't hear a mayday. Uh, me and my partner, we went. We tried to go inside at the second story uh, because if he thought that he was still at the second story, at the second floor. And uh, we tried to find him in uh, different offices full of smoke, of black smoke, very thick smoke with a lot of heat. 
and uh, we went until maybe like um, uh, I would say uh, like 30, 30 feet inside but we heard uh, a lot of explosion below us we heard the, the structure twisting and uh, that, uh, that noise uh, made, made us uh, make a, a backup with the line and just like few seconds after we got out, everything collapsed where we were. Well, I think we uh, we couldn't make it if we were still inside. Yeah. So we tried to find uh, another way to get in and to put more water on the fire, but it took like an hour to uh, to be able to get inside to control the fire to enough. control and to get it uh, um, smaller. Yeah. Uh, with uh, less. Um, less power mm. and uh, again my, my partner and me uh, we were the ones who uh, who find him they sent several crews inside yeah. and uh, I can tell you that uh, what we did is uh, we didn't want to uh, to get out to change our battle of air we wanted to stay inside so what we did is uh, we um, uh, I don't know how you say we uh, we took off our the regulator the regulator uh, in order to uh, not um, use the the air inside the cylinder, and uh, what we uh, what happened is uh, we uh, we smell we smell the um, the the body burning, you know that smell of uh, somebody's burning, and uh, we saw with our lights the um, the yellow of his uh, the pants the reflection the of the reflection. reflector yeah on his pants yeah and uh, and we saw the leg and then uh, and then we we discovered the body but he was yeah. uh, he was he was dead so if i'm if i'm understanding you correctly the building had the building had mostly had partly collapsed, collapsed. Or, yeah and um, so most of the fire was knocked down but there was still just gases and stuff you know, smoke lingering yeah. around and you guys were just coming off of air Take disconnecting your regulators to spare your air so you could search longer. Yeah, Jimmy, dang dude. So we found him. We, we, we said it on the radio. Yeah, and then we, they, they asked us to uh, to extinguish him because he was still burning. So we took the nozzle, we extinguished him, and we put him on the um, on the board. Yeah, and the board to the rescue, and they said, "Okay, you you're out. You go to the station, and this is the, the end for you." Yeah. The end of the, um, the the call for you. Yeah. So we, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I was on that fire with my partner, and a few uh, few days after that, few weeks and months, I realized that uh, there was a lot of uh, things uh, similar to uh, to the Brett Tower accident, and. Um, I was uh, like, uh, okay, um, I've been in Phoenix Fire Department for three months. They, uh, they explained me uh, what happened to the Southwest Supermarket Fire. They explained me uh, what they did after that. Yeah. And uh, I got a lot of uh, things in my head I want to share with my fire department. Okay, now I know what we could do uh, now. And uh, this is what I, what I did. So... <laughs> I, uh, what I wanted to do is, uh, after that, uh, I went to see my fire chief and, uh, I, um, I, I told him that, um, 
I would like to go again in the United States and in Canada to uh, learn more about uh, firefighter survival, survival uh, all that stuff, like the procedures, the tools, the way of teaching. And uh, I would like him to help me to uh, get inside some fire academies. And um, he helped me to, uh, to go inside the New York, uh, I mean, the FDNY Fire Academy. So I went there. Then I went to uh, Canada in Quebec because we just had a, a similar accident mm. with somebody who, who died. And uh, then I went to Philadelphia uh, because we had uh, two, two people, I mean, two firefighters dead from a collapsed building. So I went to Philadelphia too. And uh, I came back to France and uh, I had all this information about Phoenix, New York, Philadelphia, Canada. And what I made is a, like a general report on uh, firefighter safety and survival on, on the field. And I, um, I gave it to my fire chief. And uh, what, I, what I did after that is uh, I, um, I, make, I made like um, uh, how do you say? A, a meeting. Mm -hmm. with the um, assistant chief and, and the fire chief. And um, I'm uh, not proposing. Uh, I, um, I, I tried to show them. Um, I, I don't know how you say propose. I think, yeah, it's a proposal. You propose some ideas? or Yeah, I propose some ideas. Yeah. I said, this is uh, what some firefighters from all over the world do like right. this is what uh, is this is their procedures on survival this is the way they teach it and this is what we could do in france because we don't have the same tools we don't have the same procedures but we can use american or canadian procedures in a french way and uh, make our fire department better on in this uh, uh, in in this side, I mean, in the firefighter firefighter survival stuff, because yeah. before that there was nothing in France. So, in my fire department, we started to do it. the The chiefs they said, "Okay, we're gonna we trust you." So let me ask you this: So before no. before this, yeah. did you guys have any type of firefighter rescue procedures? No. Okay. No, there was experience from the senior senior guys. Yeah. They could uh, advise you, okay, you can pull the guy like this or you can pull the guy like that. But there wasn't any uh, um, tools to get somebody out uh, and nothing to assist him in air. Right. And there like, was, a like a Rick bag there, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, there was no yeah. Mayday procedure. There was no red team and all that stuff. Right. So we were in 20... 2012, when I, when I came back, it was 2012. And in 2012, we decided to, uh, to begin um, a training on firefighter survival in my fire department, which is the department of Charente Maritime in the southwest of France. We, uh, we, be we began. We, uh, I, um, in Canada, uh, in the Canada, and in 
in uh, New York. I went on training with them. So they showed me how to do it and I could uh, use the, the tools and uh, do the techniques and everything. What, what types of tools were you using for that stuff? Um, what were you guys doing? Uh, all, everything about rig pack, okay. air as, assistance. Um, at this time, they were using uh, uh, the, um, the pedal rope in New York. Uh-huh. You know? Oh, of, yeah. Uh, What's that called? They have that escape rope. Personal uh, safety system, I think, PSS, yeah. something like this, to get out from the window. So right. I, I used this one. Uh, in Canada, they, uh, they had different tricks with uh, using the, um, the belt of the SCBA to, uh, to, pull, uh, to pull a firefighter out from a building. Mm-hmm. And uh, different procedures and techniques. So, and uh, yeah, um, a lot of survival about, uh, you know, how to do um, below wires, mm-hmm. uh, wires entanglement, right. uh, how to, um, to breach a wall, to get through a, a wall. Uh, all that kind of stuff. So uh, I um, I show my my buddies, my buddies instructors at the fire academy, and okay, so I'm gonna show you different techniques, and it's very it's very cool, very simple, and I think you can show it to your guys at the station. And we started like this. So we show the guys the station, and the st- at the stations. The guy, they, uh, they thought it was really cool and very new, very different, and they liked it. Even the, 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 old, the, the old guys. Uh-huh. So, because I was young, and I had to, uh, to show it to, um, to older guys than me. So I had to be careful, you know, the way you show it. Uh, I mean, I had to be humble yeah. on it. Yeah. Uh, so it works. Uh, we started to um, to put the training on the, the new recruits, and then on all the firefighters uh, in the job in our department, and it works. And uh, after that, the fire department around us they uh, heard about it, and they wanted us to uh, to teach them. So they came to us, and we we started to uh, to teach them. And now I think we uh, we have we have. Um, we received like uh, a third of the fire department in France in our fire department. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's awesome, Ben. And uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't, um, I'm not the one who invented anything. You know, I, I just uh, look at of, uh, what, was, um, uh, what was going on in over country in over cities and i just bring it back to france with um uh a french way to do it with our uh, procedure and with our equipment you know our helmet are different our right. cba are kind of different and uh and this is it and yeah. uh, what well, you know what you know you said something interesting there you said you didn't invent anything but what what i think is really good that you guys did was, or you did specifically, is you, you looked at a problem and you said, is there a different way to approach this? Right. And you realize that in your own organization, you're like, we don't have a, we don't do this here. We don't have a procedure or a policy. So I think as much as there's a need sometimes to create something new, sometimes you just have to look around because the solution can be, you know, nearby. You just have to look for it. 
So I think that's, that's super, uh, super important. And, you know, uh, you, you leaned in on a valuable, uh, a valuable need in your organization. You know, how do we help our own guys be successful when they, when things go bad? That's so important. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know why it happened to me, but you know, when you, when you look at what happened, uh, not, not, I think that not everybody in his career has to, uh, to extinguish a firefighter in fi on fire mm. in a warehouse fire. Mm. I think, uh, it happens everywhere in the world, but, uh, not every firefighter in his career has to do it. So it happened to me. And there was so uh, similar things to uh, Phoenix, what I saw in Phoenix. I, I just thought that the, this coincidence was like a, like a destiny. And mm -hmm. uh, I thought that I was uh, not involved, but I, I had to do it because I have so many things to share with everybody. Uh, it was too, uh, would be too... Um, uh, it would it would be too bad to to keep it for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to share that. You you were given an opportunity to learn this, right? And mm -hmm. just, and then why not share what you learned? That's so important. You know, I think that's something that I think is you know we talk about the fire service um, in general around the world, and you talked about how similar firefighters are, right? Well, we take care of each other, and how do we do that? We share knowledge. And, yeah. and pass it down to those coming behind us because we may not know everything, but I know this, right? I know this one thing and I'm going to share that with you. It'll make your job easier, might make it safer, might make you healthier, whatever it is. But if we hold that information for ourselves, how are we helping anybody? No, it's yeah. all about sharing and, uh, you know, yeah. the older guy share to the younger guy and then he's, he's become older. So yeah. he's going to share with a younger guy. Right. And it's keep going like this. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not like uh, they say at the station twenty five. I'm not uh, an old fuck. But uh, <laughs> now I have like you're getting uh, there, Ben. Twenty. You're, you're getting close. I got twenty four years in a job. But uh, yeah, now I'm trying to uh, to share my uh, my knowledge with uh, younger guys right and i'm showing them okay when i was uh, when i was at your age i didn't know <laughs> but look i can show you this it's gonna be yeah. uh, you you do understand you. that that's what old guys say yeah <laughs> <laughs> you are an old guy uh all right just kidding you're not that old the uh hey so here's a question for you what is what, you know, what is it like now you grew clearly, you grew up in France, right? I'm going to change. I'm shifting gears on you here. You tracking? I'm going to change the subject. Okay. What, what was it like growing? You know, you've been, you've traveled a lot around the world, mm -hmm. right? but you grew up in France. Yeah. Right. What was it like growing up in France? I grew up in Paris in the suburbs and, uh, uh, if you're from Phoenix, suburb of Paris is like growing in Maryville. So, yeah, it was kind of dangerous. Yeah. Uh, my dad was a police officer. Uh, my mom was a childcare. Uh, grew up in the suburbs, and then we moved to uh, the southwest of France when I was 17. Where at? 
the city of La Rochelle, okay. which is on the uh, on the west on the west coast, on the ocean, Atlantic Ocean. Right. It's a very nice city. Very, yeah. uh, I mean, quieter than Paris. And um, I uh, finished my uh, my college and university over there. And then I came back to Paris for the Paris Fire Department. Right. Uh, no, what do you want to know? How how is it in France? Yeah, I don't know what. So what is it? How is it different? I know it sounds like a dumb question, but like, what are if I'm traveling? So we're going to travel to France here in the future, <laughs> and won't let me have it any other way. Okay. So we're going. So what? What do I need to be prepared for? What's what's different in France, Paris specifically? What's different in Paris that I need to be aware of? Um, what's different? There's a lot of people in Paris, like in New York. A lot mm. of people uh, everywhere in the streets, in the subways. A lot of traffic. Uh, you don't want to go in Paris in in a car because it's there's too much traffic. So you it's like driving in New York City. Yeah, just crazy. You have to go by the subway. Okay. Yeah, uh, a lot of different people in Paris. A lot of uh, different communities. Um, I mean, African people, people from Asia, from everywhere. It's a lot of different people, like in New York. Mm-hmm. A lot of different people, but they all live together. And uh, no, what you want have to know is uh, there's a lot of bakeries. Uh, people uh, eat a lot of bread. Okay. <laughs> they do eat a lot of bread, and um, a meal is always the same. It's uh, you have the entry, the main, the main course, the cheese, and the dessert. So, main difference is uh, when you get on the table in France is uh, it's it doesn't last like ten minutes here, like here in Phoenix. Here, sometimes in Phoenix, we uh, we eat very fast, mm. like we eat just one plate, and then we, we have to go. In France, when you get on the table and you sit down, you get the entry, you get the main course, then you have the cheese and the bread. You can have different cheese, <laughs> and then you have a, you can have a yogurt and then a dessert. So it takes time always. Like uh, the average maybe is like. Uh, half an hour or 45 minutes to eat. So that's a difference if you go in France, I think. Uh, what else? No, it's, it's pretty much the same. Uh, you can travel very easily with train. Mm. We, we get a lot of trains in France, uh, a lot of freeways, but the freeway, uh, you have to pay for it. Mm. You see here in Phoenix, you can use whatever freeways you want. You, you won't pay. I came from Los Angeles to here. I didn't pay anything except the fuel, but right. the gas. But no, in so France, you all, have to they pay. They have toll highways where you pay a toll. Uh, yeah. You have to pay for everything. Yeah. And the price of the gas is uh, more. <laughs> <laughs> Much more than here. It's uh-huh. double price. What are the... Um, uh, I know there's probably some rules, right? Like when you're sitting down to... When you're sitting down to eat, so I know like in, in like Spain, for example, it's not, it's, you have to call for your waiter when you're ready for your bill yes. at the end of your meal. Is it the same in France? Um, What's the etiquette? Etiquette? The rules. Uh, when you go to the restaurant, yeah, you, uh, you get sit, 
you have uh, what you uh, you picked, and yeah, you pay. But uh, the main difference, um, they uh, most of the people they don't they don't give a tip to the waitress. So here, I know that uh, it's uh, I think it's not good. You have to give a tip, and uh, this is what I do. And uh, now in France, I give a tip always when uh, when I get satisfied. And uh, yeah, uh, we, people are not used to give a tip at the end of a of a meal at a restaurant. Okay. I mean, you only is it considered rude to give a tip? No, it's not rude. It's uh, in France. It's just not common. Okay. Yeah, but when uh, some people, I know, I know that the waitress, they know that when American people are coming in, in the restaurant. <laughs> They are very happy because they know that they're going to have a, a tip. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. So that brings me to another question. I've heard that the French do not appreciate Americans or anybody trying to speak French. So should I try to learn some French and be able to parler vous? Uh, or should I not even try? I think that uh, when you come to another country... Yeah, uh, you have to make the effort to learn some words uh, and to uh, pronounce some words, even if you have an accent in the in the language of this country. When I go, when we go to Spain, I'm always trying to speak Spanish with the with people when I go to um, a commercial or to the restaurant. Yeah. And uh, no, I think that uh, if you're American and you go to France, you can say bonjour, uh, je suis américain, je ne parle pas très bien français, which means I don't have a good French. But uh, I, I think I like, need to, I need to yeah. learn that phrase first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you if you live and you say au revoir, merci. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very good. Okay. Perfect. I'll work on it. Okay. So, speaking of language, I have a, one of my favorite stories from when you were working with us at Station 25. So, we had a, a car crash, a 962, and I was trying to interview the patients, the injured, and they spoke only Spanish. Mexican. Yeah. Yeah. And you came over, and I'm like, Ben... Because I know that you speak Spanish. You speak, this, this is why I feel like a big dummy because you speak French, you speak Spanish, you speak English. You even speak English with an Irish accent or Scottish accent. Scottish. Scottish yeah. accent. <laughs> yeah. The thing is when you're um, a boy at school, yeah. the first language you learn in France is the English. So you start to learn English at school. Then you have to pick uh, a second language. Um, most of the people, they pick the, um, the Spanish, but uh, it depends on where you live in France. Mm. If you live in the southwest of France, they pick Spanish. If, right. you, if they live in the northeast of France, they pick German. If they live in the southeast of France, they pick I Italian. Mm. So I pick uh, Spanish. Um, Spanish is very uh, close to French. It's easy. And uh, I knew I knew how to make a sentence in Spanish, but I didn't have a lot of um, vocabulary. Mm. But I remember when I came to the Phoenix Forest Station 25, I came in my luggage with uh, 
a dictionary, English, French, and Spanish, French. And uh, uh, I can see myself again uh, looking for words uh, in Spanish or in English every day. And um, uh, I kept learning Spanish and English in the same time by my time in at Station 25. So yeah, um, I could help you during the calls to speak a little bit of Spanish, but yeah. I um, my Spanish got much better after my three months in uh, in Phoenix too. <laughs> so I improved my English and my Spanish in the same time. Right. Yeah, yeah. you got a lot of practice. That was I remember uh, I remember watching the smoke pour out of your ears as as I was like Ben, I need your help, and then you told me afterwards that you were like I had to translate it from Spanish to French, from French to, to English. English. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, come on, Ben, I need your help right now. Let's that's, go. That's why sometimes <laughs> at night I was a little bit tired. Yeah. Because exactly. it's, a lot, it's a lot of thinking during yeah. the day. Yes. Uh, just even just... Uh, just talking. Talking, uh, I mean, talking uh, with, uh, with a guy, uh, yeah. French, English, because yeah. I'm always thinking in French, but I'm speaking, I'm looking for my word in English. Right. And then during the calls, because we were in Maryville, most of the calls were in Spanish, and uh, a, lot of, a, lot of, a bunch of guys in the fire engines, they didn't speak Spanish. So but I was happy. I was happy uh, to help you. Yeah. Because most of the times, uh, I, I was always only uh, carrying the, the boxes and uh, clear the rig or yeah. uh, helping you for um, cooking. But when I was translating for you, I was uh, like, okay, I'm a little bit useful. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally useful. I loved it. Now, what? Um, so I, I remember sitting around the kitchen table at dinner time, and some of the older guys, Ray, Marini, their favorite thing was to teach you something to say. Yeah. And then when the chief would come in, they go, "Tell them, tell them what we taught you." So, what are some of the things that they taught you, Ben? <laughs> Uh, well, what did they tell me? Uh, some guys like James, he would tell me some uh -huh. Ebonics. <laughs> I don't know if I remember it. Uh, there was something about... I'll tell you my favorite. You ready? When they would say, when the chief would come in, you'd say, what up, dog? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was this one. What up, dog? And uh, I ain't no punk bitch. You ain't no punk bitch. <laughs> so stupid <laughs> yeah but i don't know i don't even know where uh, did they pick it from uh i think he told me it was uh, a movie like a rush hour movie oh. but i don't know where in the movie i, I uh, never see it i mean oh. i never heard it but yeah they uh each time there was a new guy at the station like a rover or a new booter they asked me to say okay tell them tell them who you are <laughs> okay my name is ben i'm frenchy and i ain't no punk bitch <laughs> Just look at Got me. a good laugh out of everyone, yeah. Yeah, because uh, like I had, I think I had the the accent. Yeah, and, uh, it was really funny for them. Yeah, hey, we would make jokes at your expense all day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's hey. funny was, I mean, every day was a good day. Yeah, at Station Twenty Five. Yeah, I agree. It was a lot of fun. So, so let me. So now you are a a lieutenant which is a, the equivalent of a battalion chief. Yes. And so let me ask you a serious question. My friend, my, my punk bitch. <laughs> let me ask you a serious question. 
what when you think about firefighter safety or you think about your your job as a battalion chief or as a lieutenant what what is the most important thing to you day in and day out oh when i'm on the field when i get a fire call and i i'm i get dispatched for a car accident on the freeway because in my first station we do have a, a big freeway who uh, cross over the France, which is the A10. Uh, so people really drive fast on this freeway. So mm. I'm, yeah, but whatever. When, when we go on the freeway or we go on the house fire or apartment fire, uh, I have the, the word uh, safety uh, just in front of me from when I leave the station until I get back to the station. And all I want is just, I just don't want uh, an accident uh, dur during when, while I'm in charge of yeah. the operation. Yeah. And I'm just making everything uh, for, uh, for uh, avoiding, avo avoiding it. Yeah. So it starts uh, from the mornings uh, when, uh, when I'm the BC on duty. Okay. Uh, today uh, we're gonna do some workout. We're gonna work out for this. We're gonna uh, we're gonna do some training. We're gonna do some training. So I keep my guys uh, ready. I mean to be ready for the big one every day. Uh, you don't never know when you start your shift. Uh, sometimes you start your shift because we start the shift at eight in my station. Uh, sometimes at eight oh five. Uh, it rings and you have to go and it's something serious and uh, five minutes before you were uh, having a coffee and five minutes later you're on the freeway and uh, people they drive fast very smoke it's raining uh, it's very dangerous and uh, you have your guys uh, you know your guys from from many years you know that they are good guys you know that they are married you know that they have kids and uh, you are the one in charge. So you are the one who um, is uh, responsible of the safety in the field, whatever car accident or uh, uh, fire. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always uh, uh, watching everything for not happening uh, an accident. So it starts from the workout, the training, a lot of, a lot of training, uh, training in the morning, training in the afternoon, uh, and I'm always preparing them, you know, mentally uh, for uh, the big one. You know, you, you never know when you you read the the paper. It says apartment fire in this street. Okay, this street is very narrow. It's at night, so you can have people at the window. You can maybe only send one ladder or one engine in this narrow street. So I'm always preparing for the big one. And uh, most of the time, it's uh, not nothing, but something simple. But uh, yeah, always preparing for for the big one. And yeah, I'm uh, always trying uh, to put air, all the safety uh, on the field. Uh, we have uh, flashing uh, lights, you know, green for for the. Uh, we we put uh, green lights at the main entrance or. Uh, on the the exit where we put ladders on the windows uh i put a rig team uh i always call for rescue for the safety of the guys uh i'm always uh making sure people are on the right channel as, as soon as we leave the fire station um yeah uh, securizing securizing the the zone with the police 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, all, all what I can do, uh, I, de- I do. Sometimes yeah. I, maybe I do uh, more, more, than, more than I should, but uh, <laughs> I, 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 I know, prefer this way. Yeah. And for the moment, I had <coughs> no accident and uh, uh, I've been lucky and uh, uh, maybe it will happen to me uh, in my career, but I'm always trying to uh, avoid this thing. Because yeah. I, I've been I've been firefighter in a warehouse where we lost a guy. I wasn't in charge. I was I was young. I had uh, just five years in a job. But I don't want to be uh, the BC who uh, who have to deal with it. So I'm always trying not to do yeah. it. No, that's so smart, man. The more you the more you prepare, the the better pre- the the more likely you are to prevent a problem from happening with training and size up and good tactics. It's so smart. The, um, you know, you said something you talked about, you know, knowing your guys for a long time, knowing they have family, knowing that, you know, like that's the, knowing the the burden of responsibility that is on your shoulders as the command officer. Um, it's so important to be honest about what that is and how serious it is. And then doing the work, to um, manage the potential problems, right? You know, you don't want to be that guy. So the only way to not be that guy who's in command of a, you know, horrible event is just to try and prepare. You There's are, nothing else you can do. You are asking, asking me a difference between here and there. And uh, one of the difference is uh, you guys, you're, you have the same spot every shift. So mm-hmm. when you're captain in engine 25, you're captain in engine 25 every yeah. shift of the year. But us, uh, we do have several captains in the shifts, and they switch every shift. Mm. So one day they are the engineer, the other day they are uh, the captain, the other day they are in the back of the truck. Oh, yeah. So um, it's very important to know the guys because every day it's different. I mean, every day it's a different captain in the engine or in the ladder. And uh, you have to know him. You have to know uh, what's his style or yeah, what's yeah. his, uh, um, how would you say, um, in what he's good at, in what he's not good at. Right. What, where his skills are. And uh, what skills where, he has. Uh, in what um, circumstance, circumstances yeah. um, I may have to help him. Right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's challenging, Ben. That's hard. That's hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very important to know the guys, and the the better thing, I mean, to to know the guys, is to spend time with him, to with them. Yeah. So, it's it's kind of hard because when you are lieutenant in France, uh, you're not on shift. You work on a forty-hour week. So you have an office and you have uh, stupid uh, office stuff to do on the <laughs> computer, like the emails. Uh-huh. It takes you a lot of times. And uh, this time is the time you don't spend with the guys uh, in the station. So I'm always trying to, uh, to make my emails very fast and uh, spend time uh, walking out and training with them and eat with them. Uh, to know them better and to watch them working on training 
you know, when we have uh, new guys, uh, what do we have? What do we get? Um, you know, work during the workout or during the training. Yeah. And uh, make them better. And uh, spending time with them. Sometimes you have uh, people, you have firefighters who have a, a lot of um, uh, knowledge, like on uh, extrication or mm -hmm. a lot of knowledge on structure fire. So you have you uh, you can um, learn from them too. You learn from them, and they learn from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So you mentioned uh, working out. So, uh, what is, you know, that's something that you and I have shared a lot of, uh, knowledge together back and forth. So for you, when you think about training, like what's the most important, I know you were telling me the other day that you've, you're training, doing a lot of body weight work right now. So over the years, what has, how has your training changed? Uh, the training on walking out. Yeah. Yeah. Physical, your physical fitness training. Oh yeah. Uh, when I was younger, I used to uh, lift weight, more uh, more weight. And uh, now that I get older, uh, I had some uh, back pains uh, problem. And uh, what I do is uh, I look at some yoga yoga videos on YouTube. And uh, now most of the time, what I do is um, I do body weight. A lot of body weight, and sometimes I uh, get um, heavier by using a vest or using my fire gear. So it's not body weight, but it's uh, the body with uh, fire gear weight. Some resistance, yeah. Yeah, with the, um, the jacket, the pants, uh, the SCBA. And uh, what I do is this. So I do a lot of workouts, body weight, and... Uh, I like to uh, to make some workout with the guys uh, outside in the yard with tires, pulling the hose, uh, pushing cars, um, lifting uh, ladders. Uh, what else? What do we do? Uh, we pull um, the um, um, how do you say mannequin? Mm -hmm. We pull the mannequin. Yeah. Um, we carry um, buckets. Uh, yeah, uh, all, um, uh, we try to reproduce, uh, moves that we have to do in, on the field. Yeah. So it's like a skills course. Skills course, uh, yeah. to get prepared again. Yes. And to, to be prepared, uh, physically and mentally always. Yes. <laughs> yes. Always. So, all right, let me ask you this. What is, what's, what's one piece of advice that somebody has given you that is the best? I'll keep on training. Um, it's even when I'm, I, when I'm tired at the station, like, uh, I had the bad night and I come to the station, I'm on duty. I'm always, uh, training, walking out just in case the, the big one happen. So always keep on training. And, uh, even if you get older, uh, you still have some something to learn from the youngest because maybe a younger guy have a, a knowledge that you don't have. So this day he's going to teach you something and the other day you're going to teach him something from your experience. Perfect. I love it. All right, last question. So this podcast is called the Fireground Fitness Podcast. So what does it mean to you to be fire ground fit. 
uh, it's um, foreground fit for me is uh, to be efficient on the on the fire on the fire field on the fire call. Yeah, it's to be efficient. Like uh, what I want to be is a, a strong, efficient firefighter. Uh, you know, when people call, uh, oh, it's the 18 number in France. What, what is the number in France? Yeah, okay. 18. 18? It's 911 here. Yeah. It's 18 in France, or you can do the 112 in Europe. Okay. So you, we, we can do both. Write that but, down, folks. You know, when people <laughs> call the 18 or yeah. the 112, they want us, they want the, uh, they want to see, uh, I mean, firefighters who are in shape and who uh, can uh, manage with the fire. And if they get trapped, they can rescue people. So, yeah, fire ground fitness ready for me. I mean, to be fire ground ready is uh, be able to, uh, to do the mission when you get on the fire field. So, oh. yeah, climb oh. the ladder, rescue people. Uh, pull people out, uh, get in heavy, uh, heavy smoke conditions uh, with heat. Uh, yeah, uh, pulling the holes in narrow streets. In France, there are a lot of narrow streets, so we have to pull the holes. The engine cannot go um, every time just in front of the building on fire. So you have to, uh, to uh, run with the holes. Uh, yeah, uh, climbing the stairs. When you have a, an apartment fire yeah. in high rise, yeah, all that stuff. I love Be it. Be ready, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Ben, it's I always appreciate when you come into town and we get a chance to visit, and I'm glad we had a chance to sit down and podcast together. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, brother. After 19 years, <laughs> finally. <laughs> oh. All right. Any final parting words? No, I'm. I'm very happy. I'm. I'm very uh, proud of you. Oh, because, thanks, brother! Uh, in 19 years, you had uh, you you did a lot of things, a lot of things, and uh, I think uh, I will keep coming back and talk to you like this. I Pro hope. I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, all right, brother. Uh, thank you. That's all we got for today, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to the Fireground Fitness Podcast. If you are enjoying this podcast, subscribe on whatever platform you enjoy, and this podcast will drop in the middle of the night. In the meantime, get on over to Apple Podcasts, rate and review the podcast. It does wonders for the internet workings and helping this podcast get to other people's platforms so they can listen to it. In the meantime, take the lessons and the things that you've heard here, find a way to imbue them into your life, be critical of the things that you're doing, and assess your position and function and understanding and find ways to improve what you're doing. We all benefit when we do this, and it is something that is really important. Now, go on out there and get some. <laughs>